This is the man in black here. A shadow lord. He's alive. Alive! Hello and welcome to the Retroist Halloween special number two. We had a lot of fun last year throwing together a special, so I decided to do it again this year. If you didn't hear last year's Retroist Halloween special, maybe you should give it a listen, but the thing you should know about it is it's a little different from my normal shows where I tell you about something throughout the show. Instead, we concentrate on the great memories that people have about Halloween. And I've got several people who are associated with the site who've stepped up and have given me stories, and they've all flown in. And we're going to have a great time talking about Halloween together. So, thanks everyone for coming, and I think you'll find that this is going to be a great Halloween special. Excuse me, I have a question. Yeah? What is it? Why exactly are we not meeting in person? Well, what do you mean? Why are we all on computers in separate hotel rooms when we're all in the same town? Oh, well, you gotta admit, this conferencing technology is great. No doubt about that. It sounds like we're in the same room with you. So, why are we not in the same room with you? Well, we really didn't need to all be in the same room to make this special together. Well, then why did we fly here? Well, that, that's a great question, Doug. Well, well, you, you might not realize this because most of you are from different parts of the country, and I do appreciate you flying in at your own expense, but there's a killer at large in my town. What? Are we not in the same motel? So are we not going to be getting a meal? The mass email you sent said we would go camping. Why would you do that? Well, I needed to tell you stuff to get you here to begin with, and I thought this would be for the best. In a way, it's kind of for your safety. Kind of. For our safety? Well, okay, maybe not for your safety. Here's the thing. The killer only attacks people in their hotel rooms, usually dressed as a member of the hotel staff, sometimes delivering room service. Why would you do this? Now that is an excellent question. Besides the innate drama that it adds to the show, which you have to admit right away, you're pulled in. I thought it would be great to help the police in finding the criminal. It'll be like we're part of Scooby-Doo. You know, and think of the publicity for the show. The retroist mystery gang catches axe murderer. Axe murderer? You're kidding, right? Oh no, I wish I was. But don't worry, this will be our finest hour, folks. I even took the liberty of ordering food for each of you from the respective restaurants in your hotels. This is crazy. I know. Crazy smart, right? What is wrong with you? What? What is wrong with me? Think about how amazing this is going to be. We either finish this Halloween special as heroes or as victims. It's perfect. It makes you wonder why someone hadn't thought about it before. You have people issues, don't you? It's kind of cruel. Forgive me for caring about the well-being of my community. I thought that... We would take this holiday tradition and try to turn it into something positive for everybody. And I just thought that, given the opportunity to help, all of you wouldn't hesitate. Well, I'm not opening the door. <laughs> oh, don't worry about that. I've taken the liberty of breaking the locks on each of your doors. And as a bonus, I've disabled all of your phones as well. So the only line of communication you have is with me through this software. I got that idea after seeing a movie. See, movies teach us stuff. But don't worry, I have a phone handy 
ready to dial 911 if we happen to catch this madman. You've got to be kidding me. This is the stupidest thing I have ever heard. I don't get it. Do you know how hard it is to bring a tent on a plane? Now listen, we could argue all night about who is crazy this or who will kill who, but we have a show to do. I mean, you flew all the way out here, and it was kind of expensive. Airfare is high. And as of now, I'm your only contact to the outside world. So we can do this show, or I can just shut down this conferencing software. Mm-hmm, that's what I thought. Okay, now we got a big show ahead of us, so let's get this started. Christopher, why don't you go first? So my scariest Halloween memory, uh, when I used to live in Austin, we used to hit the haunted houses every Halloween, and they were they were really fun, especially if you just let yourself go and just get lost in, in the moment and just get really freaked out. And the, the ones we went to, they would have these guys in, in the rooms, and they would separate you by your group, so you went through the whole haunted house by yourself, just, you know, your small group. And you'd go in some of these rooms, and there'd, there'd be like maybe one or two scary people in there or monsters or something, and sometimes they would stand right in front of you. They were blocking the door, and you couldn't, you couldn't get by them because they were standing there and sometimes they would talk to you and sometimes they would just stand there just staring at you and it'd be real quiet you're like man you know what what are they gonna do how do we get out of here and so one time we were in one of these rooms and there was a big guy and he was just standing in front of the door i was like man uh i don't know i don't know is he gonna what's he gonna do is something gonna jump out at us while we're like waiting for him to move you know so you get kind of you start getting tense and scared and uh, i told my wife i said hey sarah uh try to sneak around him and he and he heard me and he goes yeah sarah well she was so like caught up in the in the moment she didn't really realize that i had said her name out loud it just didn't didn't click with her so she was freaked out she's like how did that guy know my name and of course me and my friend were like i don't know man this is just freaky we got to get out of here and since the the haunted house was in an old store that they had remodeled just for the haunted house the the walls didn't go all the way to the ceiling so all the actors in the rooms that we were about to go in, heard this guy and what was going on. So they all started going, Sarah, Sarah. So you could hear, like, in the rooms, is calling out her name, and it was just so freaky. Every room we went into after that, somebody would go, Hey, Sarah. And it was just so awesome because these scary clowns and chainsaw guys and the zombies and everybody was going, Sarah, we're going to eat your brains. And he was so freaked out. It was so awesome. What a great story. And if my timing is right, you should be getting a knock on your door very shortly. You've got to be kidding. Are you sure there's no room service at your door? I didn't order any room service. Well, could you just go to the door and play along? Just open the door and look outside. Play along? Are you nuts? I don't know why you can't just be a team player, but... Oh, oh, what's this? I'm losing connection with you. Oh, I'm so sorry. We seem to have lost Christopher Tupa. I wonder what happened. I'm still here. Oh, sorry. I think I hit the wrong button. Uh-oh. Christopher Tupa's gone. I wonder what happened. Man, you can really feel the tension now. Now our next author needs no introduction. A regular contributor to the Retroist website, this is Officer Pups. Where I come from, we have a little tradition called Mischief Night, which is usually the night before Halloween, depending on how it falls on the weekend or whatnot. But it's where... Well, it's kind of the thing you do when you're too old to still go trick-or-treating and you're not quite old enough to enjoy all the parties. So um, I think I was about 11 or 12 at the time. And so me and my friends decided we're going to go out you know, and do something for Mischief Night. So we're trying to rack our brains and figure out what we're going to do. you Because know, we don't want to just throw the eggs and teepee trees because, well, 
quite honestly, we've had to clean that up with our parents a couple years before that, and knew how much a pain in the butt it was, so I guess we felt a little empathy for the people we would be doing that to. So, we were scratching our brains like two weeks before, you know, mischief might know what to do. Finally, we came by the idea that we were going to do some good old-fashioned trespassing. But where were we going to trespass, you know? We're 11, 12, we can't really drive anywhere, it has to be somewhere in the neighborhood. Well, luckily for us, we grew up right next to our elementary school. So we get there, you know, it's about 11.30 at night, it's all night, we snuck out, so we're trying to figure out, well, what we're going to do exactly when we get there. Well, we noticed that the janitor didn't lock the dumpster up properly, so we took the dumpster, pushed it up against the wall, and actually we were able to figure out a way using window ledges and light fixtures to climb to the roof of the building. It's about a three-story school, so it was pretty impressive for a couple of 11 and 12-year-olds. So we're up there on the roof, you know, really excited about, oh, this is awesome, we did it. You know, we're doing something for mischief night, you know. Then, of course, we see the car roll into the parking lot. We didn't really stick around long enough on that roof to figure out if it was a cop car or just someone doing a U-turn. About the closest I've ever come to dying is we just scrambled off the roof of the building and just swung from light fixture to window ledge and back down. I think I jumped the last ten feet and surprised I'm not dead. So we break off running, just run, 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 run. Now around the school's a bunch of it's a big wooded area that we used to play in when I was a kid. So we go flying into the woods because we know this area pretty well. So boom, there's there's two of us, so there's three of us, and so boom, run to the left, split off, run to the right, split off. So all of a sudden I'm by myself within about twenty five seconds of getting into the woods. So I quickly just dive into a little uh, sinkhole area off the path. And here I am, just sitting there, scared out of my mind of what's going to happen. I'm going to get busted by the cops. Am I going to get in trouble? What's going to happen? So I'm sitting there in that hole, laying down, hidden as much as I could be. And that's when all the noises started coming out. You know, I started hearing, was that a dog barking? Oh, no, there's a wild dog in here. Oh, crap, there's a wild dog in here. It's going to bite me. It's going to rip off my leg. Oh, crap. Oh, what was that noise? Was that was that someone running through the brush? Was that a teenager? Oh, crap, I know teenagers are in these woods. These teenagers find me. They're going to beat the crap out of me. I am scared out of my mind of what's going to happen to me. Now, all of a sudden, I'm in there for maybe about 10, 15 minutes when I hear, a, when I hear like the old school, right out of a horror movie, twig snap. And that's the closest I've ever come to peeing myself. Luckily for me, it was one of my friends that we'd done the stuff with, so... Fortunately for me, he got up, we got together, he knew I was hiding, because, well, like I said, we've played in these woods, found my other friend with, and we just scurried home. Because pretty much they all had the same experience as I was, scared out of their mind, hiding in the woods, and thinking every sound was something coming to get us. And that happened to be my scariest Halloween, or more specifically, my scariest mischief night. Well, I hope Officer Pups is alright. We didn't even get to see if the room service came to him. Well, let me try to get him back on the line. While I do that, you listen to this next story by Vic Sage. Friends, when I was young, just down the road, it hadn't even been paved at this point, there was an old milk barn. It was abandoned for many years. Most of the glass in the window frames had been broken out. Tall weeds hid the area. Vines had even climbed over some of the building. Back in those days, that dirt road also had an oppressive amount of old trees. The tops of them touched each other so that when you went through it, it became darker. There was something really creepy about that barn, though. Every time some of the neighborhood kids, Sheila, Steve, they were, they were brother and sister, every time we would walk past it, we would look over at that milk barn and then have to run back as fast as we could to the sunlit road, past all those trees. Well, one Halloween, 
Steve and Sheila's parents decided to go for a walk, and our small group decided to join them. Nightfall wasn't for many hours, but we were already hyper from the candy we had received at school. We laughed and joked the whole way until on the return. I stopped and was looking at the abandoned building when Steve's father asked if I knew it was haunted. I looked to Sheila and Steve, and they seemed to be just as intrigued as I was. I asked my friend's father to tell us what had happened. He said that years and years ago, a farmer had gone to milk one of his cows, and he spilled the bucket when he stood up. He leaned over to grab the pail from behind, and the cow kicked him in the head, killing him. The farmer's wife found him later, and in a fit of rage went to the house and grabbed her husband's axe for chopping wood. She returned and chopped the animal to death. My friend's father said that no cow would ever produce milk on that land again, and that sometimes you could hear the spirit of the cow as its ghost wandered around the building. Right when he finished, we heard the clanking of a cowbell, and I remember Sheila and Steve being close behind me as we ran back to the safety of my house. Now that's what I call a moving tale of terror. Uh, yeah? Uh, well... I didn't have much luck getting officer pups, but I really do appreciate you staying on the line, Vic. And I was wondering if any room service had come to your room yet. Maybe you could open the door and take a look, see if anybody's coming. I timed this, thought I had timed this. Hello? Vic Sage? Hello? Huh. It's kind of weird. Well, also kind of unprofessional. Well, let's keep this moving along with a tale of terror from Douglas McCoy. It's hard for me to tell this story because I don't remember any of the particulars about how it began. I don't remember any of my friends saying to me, Hey Doug, do you want to go? I don't remember asking my parents for permission to go. I don't remember checking to see if I had enough money to be able to go. All of those things must have happened. I just can't remember them. All I can remember, and the way the story starts as far as I am concerned, is that I found myself in the back seat of a car with a couple of friends on one very dark late October Friday night. We were driving down one of the back roads of rural Ohio headed for a place called the Haunted Forest. And I can't even remember today if I knew we were headed for the Haunted Forest or if I knew what was awaiting me at the Haunted Forest but that's where we were going and that's where we eventually ended up. We arrived at the Haunted Forest and we got in line, a very long line, waited for about 45 minutes. Finally, it was our turn. We paid our 10 bucks. We were put into the next group to take a tour of the Haunted Forest. Uh, the tour began by going through a couple of cornfields, through a couple of paths that had been cut into the corn. Periodically, some fire pots to the left or the right of this path would go off, sending flames shooting 20 feet into the night sky. We then came to our first stop on the Haunted Forest Tour. It was a little cabin. We could not see anything other than what the tour guide showed us with his flashlights. We were entirely dependent upon his flashlight, and he, he started by showing us various features of the cabin. He showed us the cabin itself, shined his light on it. He showed us uh, the well. He showed us the outhouse. And then he said something I'll never forget. He said, and here's a happy camper. And at that moment, he flashed his light at the base of a tree, and there was the body of a young teenage boy, his throat slashed, 
blood gushing out of the wound. I believe he was even making little choking sounds as, as he died before our eyes. Two things then happened simultaneously. First, somebody, some unknown person behind me, screamed out, It's real! Oh my goodness, it's real! Second, a strobe light began to go off, and as the strobe light went off, the door of the cabin burst open, and out came Michael Myers. Now, he was dragging another young teenage boy uh, with him. He was strangling this boy with a rope. Eventually, the boy died, and Michael Myers dropped him. Then he drew a big butcher knife and started walking straight at me. Now, at this point, as Michael Myers is walking straight towards me, I realize something. I realize... I'm the only person standing there. Everyone else had run away. And it was just me and Michael Myers. Fortunately, my brain caught up with my feet, or my feet caught up with my brain, whichever way it is, and I began to run as well and caught up with the rest of the group, escaped Michael Myers. Throughout the rest of the night, I would also escape Jason and Freddy, uh... Leatherface and various other horror characters and we would uh, ultimately reach the end of the haunted forest. It was my first experience with a haunted house type attraction. It would not be my last but I think it was the best and I think it was the scariest and I still sometimes wonder as I hear the voice of that person behind me was it real? Was it real? Great story Doug. If you could just wait on the mic a second, I think I'm having some audio problems on your end. I'm going to see if I can clear that up. Just give me a second here. Huh, let me see. Uh, does this do anything? I don't know. Hello? Can you hear me, Doug? Hello? 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 Can you hear me? Hello? I don't think Doug can hear me, but it looks like we got the mic problem taken care of. So I'm going to switch things over to Metagirl while I try to work things out. And I really got to call some of these hotels and figure out why room service didn't come to any of them. They're ruining my whole premise. Metagirl, you're up next. I was eight years old, and I had been invited to my very first sleepover at my friend Jenny's house. I was flattered to be asked. I thought, wow, Jenny must really like me. I had heard about sleepovers, but hadn't experienced one for myself. I was eagerly anticipating activities such as playing Atari games, playing spa by painting our nails and giving each other facials, which just meant covering our faces with noxema, picking out on junk food at midnight, and watching scary movies until falling asleep. The big day happened to be scheduled for the day before Halloween. It was one of those great years when Halloween fell on a weekend, so the plan was to sleep over at my friend's house on Saturday, and then the following day we'd go trick-or-treating together. That Saturday afternoon, my mom dropped me off at Jenny's house with pillow and strawberry shortcake sleeping bag in tow. Things started out fun. We played Pitfall and the Dukes of Hazard board game. I remember snacking on Nutter Butters and Giggles cookies. I should have known from the creepy smile on that giggle that things were about to take a turn. Jenny suggested that we play outside until dinner. We hit the swing set for a while. She performed a dramatic jump off the swing. When she hit the ground, it was as if the landing had knocked an idea into her head. She remembered something she just had to show me. Now, Jenny lived on a busy road, but the back of her parents' property bordered a private golf course. 
Dividing her backyard and the course was a thick wooded area so that the country club golfers didn't have to see the townies barbecuing in their yards. Also leveraging this forest area was an assortment of woodland creatures. One of these creatures was apparently passing through Jenny's backyard on the way to the woods when he or she met an untimely end. Creature is the best word to describe what Jenny showed me. It was the size of a small mammal, maybe a raccoon, maybe a skunk or a possum, but as no fur and barely any skin remained, it was impossible to identify. What was easy to identify were the maggots feeding on the carcass. At the age of eight, I don't think I knew that what I was seeing were maggots, and it was nothing that I'd ever seen before, but the gruesome image stuck with me, so when I was old enough to learn the word maggots, I immediately flashed back to this horror-filled Halloween Eve. At first, the fly larvae looked to me like grains of white rice. I wasn't even sure what I was looking at. Bits of bone, scraps of flesh and fur, and white rice? Then I realized the grains were moving, and then it dawned on me what was happening. It was like the song that kids sometimes sang on the school bus. The worms crawl in, the worms crawl out, into your stomach and out your mouth. They eat your intestines, they scramble your heart. Now you feel like you're all apart. This is how it is to die. You end up looking like apple pie. But it didn't look like apple pie. Oh, how I wished that what I was seeing looked like apple pie. I don't know what it looked like, but I couldn't look away. I didn't have the words to describe the scene, but I internalized the experience. So much so that that night I was plagued by irrational thoughts, in particular that the maggots had somehow entered my body and were consuming me from the inside out. My state of mind was not improved by the fact that one of my sleepover fantasies had come true. We stayed up watching scary movies until we fell asleep. Well, Jenny fell asleep. I lay awake paralyzed with fear inside my strawberry shortcake sleeping bag. I just had this incredibly sinking feeling that I was dying, that my organs were being dissolved by the maggots twisting inside of me. The only way I could think of to know the state of their progress was to weigh myself. Surely I would lose body weight as the larvae ingested my insides, right? So I slipped out of my sleeping bag, crept as quietly as I could down the hall, and entered my friend's hall bathroom. It contained the typical household scale. I weighed myself. Not really knowing how much I weighed at the start of the day, this was more of a benchmark than a diagnostic tool. I moved stealthily back to Jenny's room and back into my sleeping bag. She never stirred. I don't know how much time passed before I felt compelled to check again. Probably ten minutes or so. I tiptoed back to the scale. Same weight as before. I slinked back to bed. A few minutes later, I checked again, as I was absolutely convinced that the nauseous feeling in my belly was caused by maggots devouring my intestines, just like in the song. But the scale told a different story. I was the same weight each time. While Jenny never roused, as kids that age tend to be deep sleepers, her parents were another story. On one of my return trips from the bathroom, Jenny's parents' bedroom door swung open. I was startled, embarrassed, and sick to my stomach. They must have heard me heading back and forth to the bathroom and wondered what was up. Jenny's mom stopped me in the hall and asked me if I was okay. Mortified by being caught slinking around in the night, 
I admitted that I felt sick. She offered me Pepto, Bromo, and other common cures. Though I knew it was creating a very awkward situation, it being the middle of the night and this being my first sleepover, I felt bad enough that only one remedy could be considered. I had to go home. And this is what I told Jenny's mom. So she called my folks and they picked me up and took me home. I told them I felt sick, but I didn't confess the reason why. I didn't reveal that I was filled with maggots after being exposed to a rotting carcass on Jenny's lawn from which I couldn't tear myself away. With all of the activity, I was exhausted, and despite my deep sense of dread, I fell asleep in my own bed. The next morning, I ran to the bathroom scale. Same weight. I felt a wave of relief come over me. In my eight-year-old mind, enough time had passed that surely I would be dead by now if I were infested with maggots. The fact that I was still alive and weighed the same as the night before proved to me that I would be okay. And I was okay. But my friendship with Jenny wasn't. We still nodded when we saw each other in school, but we didn't go trick-or-treating together that night following the sleepover. In fact, we never hung out again. I never told her the real reason that I left her house that night without even saying goodbye. I never told her that it wasn't the giggles cookies that made me sick, but the decomposing corpse lying in her yard. But maybe she knew. Maybe she had similar feelings, but handled them differently. Maybe it was more horror than our young friendship could handle. Maybe it was this secret between us, this terror about which we could never speak, that caused us to never speak again. One thing's for certain. Though Jenny and I lost our friendship that night, I'll never forget the experience of my very first sleepover. Wow, that was a really great story. Oh, was that a knock on your door? Perhaps you should check it out. You have got to be kidding. Oh, come on, just open the door. Are we going to be reimbursed for our plane tickets? It's just... Uh Uh-oh, something bad really just happened to Metagirl. Man, it's a shame she opened that door. This... Killer thing is real. Alright, I guess everybody just figured it out from the beginning. There is no hotel killer. There was a hotel killer many, many years ago. I read about in the paper. And he did kill people while they were getting room service, but that was a long time ago. And I thought I would dredge it up, make it part of the Halloween special to try to make the Halloween special more interesting. But it only seemed to alienate everyone I tried to bring to the Halloween special. So, yet again... Alone on Halloween. How great. Well, I was going to wrap up the show at this point. We were going to have a little roundtable chat about Halloween and maybe talk about the idea of this Halloween hotel killer. But since that's not possible, I think I will tell you a story about the last year that I went trick-or-treating. I went trick-or-treating as often as possible, right up until I was 12 years old. And when I was 13, I knew I was on the edge of being too old to trick-or-treat. But I wasn't too big. I was kind of a little kid at that point. And I thought I could get away with it. I was like a bank robber who just wanted one more big score. The problem is that my normal trick-or-treating buddies didn't want to go. So I hooked up with a different trick-or-treating crew that year. Guys who lived a couple of blocks away, not the other side of town, but in a different area of what we called the north end of my town. We went trick-or-treating and had fun. It was a great time. I really was sad that I didn't go with my normal crew. We had been trick-or-treating together since we were six years old. But I had fun, and I knew this would kind of be my last one, so I just tried to make the most of it. We had trick-or-treated probably about two and a half, three hours. And there was a certain thrill that was missing from earlier Halloweens in that 
We knew that it was kind of wrong to be trick-or-treating at that age, but most people didn't seem to mind at all. Nobody commented, so maybe we looked young enough, plus we had costumes on. So we went over to my one friend's house at the end of the night before we were going to go home, and that's maybe seven or eight blocks from where I live. And we opened our treats. We did a candy swap where if you had a candy somebody else liked, you would trade it for another thing. It was a good idea. Then we watched a few scary movies. I had already called my mother to tell her I was going to be late. And at about 10.30, things were winding down. And me and a few of the other guys were going to go home. I lived the furthest away than anybody. But as a whole, four of us left at once. We got around the corner. We were talking all Halloween stuff. When we saw something that really freaked us out. There was a little boy sitting on the lip of a driveway. Like a driveway that descends into the person's house. He was about, I don't know, seven or eight houses away. But he was just sitting there. And somebody brought it up to say like, oh my gosh, look at that, how weird that is. And we stopped. We all looked and thought, what's that kid doing out? It's almost 11 o'clock at night. He must have been like six or seven. Then that started to really freak us out. And someone said, well, why don't we go up and see what's wrong with him? At that moment, we all froze. It's as if we had suddenly become six or seven years old ourselves. And then it became, I dare you to. And then someone else said, I don't think that's a real kid. But then what could it be? Then... He moved, and all bets were off. Well, it was like a virus had gotten into one of us and then spread to all of us. We all freaked out and ran. We ran all the way back to my friend's house, and we were knocking on his door as hard as we could. His mother came to the door. We were like, there's this weird kid out there. We don't know what's going on. She thought it was hilarious and said, don't worry. I'll get my oldest son to drive you home. He was already up in his room and was none too happy, but he humored us. He was a nice guy and put us in the car and we were driving. He said, well, where's this house? We said, don't go near there. That kid is out. We turned the corner and the kid was still there. He started to drive closer to the house. As we got closer, we noticed it wasn't a little kid sitting. It was a statue that a person had sat out there on the wall on the edge of their driveway. It didn't even look like a kid when you got close. It was a guy, maybe to half scale, with a fishing pole. Why he had a fishing pole, I have no idea. And what we saw moving, I have no idea. What I like about the story is that it's exactly what you want on Halloween. You want a fake thrill that you believe for just a second is real. Then you get proven wrong and you laugh, but you still remember that feeling of when you were frightened and why it frightened you. I've had scary Halloweens and I've done haunted houses and weird other things and I've had very scary moments in other times but when people ask me what my most frightening Halloween was it was the time that I thought there was this psycho little kid sitting on a wall waiting for me to pass so that he could scoop my brains out of my head and the relief that I got finding out 20 minutes later that I was foolish and the laughter from my friend's older brother sticks with me to this day the whole memory is so safe and wonderful that not a Halloween goes by when I don't recall it to thank you all for listening to the second annual Retroist Halloween. I hope you really enjoyed the input of all the people who participated in the show. Officer Pups, who does card art every week on the Retroist. Vic Sage, who writes regularly for the Retroist and has done a great job with Halloween movie madness all month long. Tremendous posts. Christopher Tupa, who has been a major contributor to the Retroist. You can see his art right at the top of the screen. In my opinion, as an artist, he captures nostalgia just about better than anyone 
when I see my childhood, I see Christopher Tupa's art. You can see more of Tupa's art at ctupa.com or at The Retroist. Douglas McCoy has become a regular contributor to The Retroist. And all Halloween long, he's been sharing his memories on the site. And before and after that, you can find a lot of his posts just about every week on the site. Metagirl has been a contributor to The Retroist pretty much from the beginning and is a frequent contributor to The Retroist podcast. When she's not putting together top five lists, she's looking at Halloween postcards, which she posted all month long. And you can look up postcards on the site and you can see her work. I'd like to thank everyone for joining us this month and for hanging out on the site. And I hope you have a great, safe, and happy Halloween. Make good memories, people. Who is it? Room service. Room service, but I'm not in a hotel. Unless... I don't want any pancakes. I want to go home. Yes. Yes, I want to watch TV. I want to watch the Smurfs. I'm tired of camping. No, you can keep the tent. Just keep it. No, I want my backpack, though. But you can keep the tent. I'm out of here. Bye. This has been a Retroist production. Goodbye.